You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to the Brandy Show. Hi, everybody. I'm Jim Brandstatter, and this is my podcast. We'll get together every week to talk about football, primarily the University of Michigan Wolverines and the Big Ten Conference, with occasional forays into the national picture. We'll also keep up with the Detroit Lions and the NFL. Along the way, we'll have some surprises. We'll certainly have some fun guests and take a tangent or two that has nothing to do with football, like old movies or cooking. Who knows what? Sit back and relax and enjoy The Brandy Show. Hi, everybody. It's nice to have you along. Well, what's coming up in Episode 10 of our podcast? Well, just one thing. It's Michigan, Michigan State Week. Are you kidding me? Is there anything else? Well, maybe we'll talk a little bit about the Big Ten. And we'll also listen to those days of yesteryear and come back with two really controversial endings in the Michigan-Michigan State series. The Lions were off on a bye week, so we'll leave them alone and the NFL alone this week. We'll have a trivia too deep, a Spartan and Wolverine version, so get your thinking caps on. Go back to 2006, the MSU offense and the Michigan defense. In Facts, Legends, and Lore, do you remember the house that existed on the grounds of Michigan Stadium inside the fence? Do you? Well, it existed, and I've got the story. And uh, we'll delve into the Big Ten, like I told you. Uh, you know, Michigan's victory over Wisconsin may not have been the last time those two teams play this year, but we'll take a little bit of a look at that. In the meantime, let's get started with our Michigan-Michigan State series, the Michigan-Michigan State show. This game is just... Always very emotional. And sometimes it comes down right to the very end. Let's go back to the days of yesteryear. Back in 1990, remember Gary Moeller was the Michigan head coach? Desmond Howard was playing wide receiver. The Wolverines were going for two to win the game. And then the officials got in the way. Thanks to Frank Beckman's play-by-play, the controversial ending of the 1990 Michigan-Michigan State game. in his first Michigan-Michigan State matchup as head coach, has a decision to make. Yeah, I wanted to go for two. Uh, you know, anytime you ask kids in that emotional setting that uh, what their response is going to be, they aren't going to say, hey, let's tie the game. I wanted to beat Michigan State. That was important. Here we go. This is the ball game, folks. Two-point conversion attempt. Durback to throw. Locking it up in the air. Desmond Howard has it. He's got it. He beat Eddie Browder, did he? What do they call him? He dropped the ball. Oh, my goodness. Desmond Howard could not hold it. Unbelievable. What are they going to call now? I thought there might have been interference. Even though Desmond Howard is tripped, the referees make no call. It seems that the only people in the stadium who didn't see the penalty are the men in striped shirts. Hey! Hey! Hey, he tackled the guy in the end zone! They tackled him! What the hell did you watch? What? Did you look at the receiver? Let's go! Let's go! Hey! Hey! You can't choke! 
like that. It's your job to identify. You gotta look at it. Your job is to watch the play. You didn't see him grab him. What were you looking at? You just lost us the game. I want you to know that. I want you to know it, and I hope you bear that the rest of your life, son, because you screwed us big time. Big time. So there you go. You just heard Gary Moeller talking to the officials about it. <laughs> he couldn't see his right hand in front of his face because Desmond was definitely interfered with, and yet Michigan State got away with a victory because of that missed call in 1990. The Spartans get the win. Speaking about Spartans getting the win, they never got a win when this next guest of ours was quarterbacking Michigan. Denny Franklin. You remember Dennis Franklin? Played quarterback for the Wolverines in 1972, 73, and 74. He was 3-0 against the Spartans, and he's a dear friend of mine. Out in Los Angeles, Dennis Franklin, welcome to the Brandy Show. How are you? I'm good, Jim. How are you, my friend? I'm doing very, very well. And uh, how are things in Los Angeles? What you doing these days? I'm in real estate. I've been doing it now for about 15 years out here. And, uh, you know, just uh, living a good life as much as I can. Um, being in Los Angeles, I you know, I miss being back in the Midwest. And obviously, uh, I don't get an opportunity to see in person uh, the Wolverines as much as I'd like. So I try to get back at least once a year. This year, I hope to get back for the Michigan-Ohio State game. Well, we want you and to come back for that game. You're from Ohio originally, right? That's correct. Maslin, Ohio. You're from the football hotbed of, of Ohio, Maslin, Ohio. Yes, sir. That, so it'll be fun to get back. And that's uh, Thanksgiving week, so I'm going to come back early, spend the, the early part of the week with my son and my granddaughters. Oh, beautiful. And, his wife, and then uh, try to get down there for the Saturday game. Well, hopefully, and, uh, hopefully I'll get around. Yeah, hopefully we'll get around. I get a chance to see you when you come back. I would love that. Okay, I'd, I'd, I'd love it too. Speaking of which, if you have any uh, passes or any tickets, <laughs> oh, that's the next thing. Because I know you're connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, don't forget me. I won't. All right? I won't forget you. Okay. You mentioned Ohio State, and you're going to be back for that game. And that's a, such a huge rivalry. Let's talk Michigan-Michigan State and Michigan-Ohio State. A lot of people ask me, and I'm sure you get the same question, which rivalry is bigger? Dennis, in your opinion, which rivalry is bigger, or are they equal and the same? I would say that they're very close to being equal. Um, usually, um, at least back when I was playing, the Ohio State Michigan game was was bigger only because it really represented uh, the champion in that uh, for that particular year. Uh, Michigan State wasn't as competitive, uh, at least not against us uh, back in those days. Nowadays, they've become much more competitive, and in fact, uh, have done very well against Michigan. But uh, in those days, we used to there were two red letter games. One was Michigan State, the other one was Ohio State. And being red letter, there was extra emphasis put on the practice that particular week uh, against Michigan State and also against uh, Ohio State. So um, I would say they were very close to being equal. What do you remember most out of your three-game series? Now, everybody asks a Michigan player, what would you do against Ohio State, what would you do against Michigan State? You were 3-0. and I was 2-1 and when we played Michigan State. So what do you remember most out of those three victories? Um, the, my senior year, I think we were up there, and it, the, the, um, it, it rained unbelievably through the whole game. 
And what I remember most is we didn't have one missed quarterback um, football exchange, you know, where you fumble the ball because it's wet. We had no fumbles. Who was your it was pretty remarkable. Who was your center? Dennis Franks. Dennis Franks. Yep, I remember that. Well, Dennis, th- that goes right to your coach, doesn't it? It's you know, Shem Beckler would not let you get away from fundamentals, would he? That's exactly right, and I, you know, I can hear him saying it very clearly that uh, that was the big thing about that game is that we had no center quarterback exchange problems, and uh, so we didn't fumble, and we didn't give them a chance to, you know, to, you know, turnovers usually uh, lead to losses. And uh, we had no turnovers, so that was great. Being from Ohio, when did you get and understand this Michigan-Michigan State thing? Uh, did it take you a year, or did you get it from the the upperclassmen when you were a sophomore? I got it from the upperclassmen because, you know, like you said, being from Ohio, the emphasis was so much. And, and you know, I, I heard all the, the crap about, you know, why would you're such a traitor? Why would you go to Michigan? You're from Ohio. Why didn't you go to Ohio State? This, that, and the other. And you know, Woody was recruiting me heavily, and this, that. And, you know, my my best friend from high school went to Ohio State, and uh, so I, I heard a lot of noise about uh, Ohio State and why I didn't go there. This, that, and the other. But uh, but I learned very quickly from the upperclassmen what uh, being able to beat Michigan State meant, particularly in the state of Michigan. And it had such an emphasis when it came to recruiting. Um, you know, you could be able to, to, to tell the, the uh, athlete that you were trying to recruit that Michigan was a superior program because we used to beat them all the time. And uh, so that always helped to win that particular game. Oh, it helped big time. Who do you remember from Michigan State that was their key guys during those three years? I remember when I played, there was a big tackle named Ron Curl. And I had to battle him, and Brad Van Pelt played on that team also. Big Ron Joseph. Who do you remember from your years who were Michigan State stars that you had to deal with? Well, Charlie Baggett was the uh, quarterback, and uh, he happened to be uh, African-American as well. So there was always that uh, comparison between me and him. So I guess he's the one guy I I definitely remembered. I always wanted to make sure I was – better than the opposing quarterback, or tried to be anyway. So um, I remember him. I remember him clearly. And Dennis, that's one of the things that people forget. Back in the 1970s when you played, there was this social thing. There weren't many black quarterbacks out there. And here you were with Michigan and Michigan State, both black quarterbacks, uh, quarterbacking these two major big-time programs. Uh, That was big and important for the African-American community back then, wasn't it? It was, and... uh, you know, it's one of those things that's taken for granted these days. But back in those days, man, it was a big deal. And um, so, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I mean, it's just... well, tell, tell the story. Tell the story about when Bo told you you're going to be my starting quarterback as a sophomore. You tell it. You tell it better. No, no, than no, I no, did. no. I don't tell it that way. You tell it better because you took it in the office and he said, "You know what is it? You only have one one guy to please, and that's me." <laughs> that's correct. That's correct. And uh, so don't worry about all the riffraff and all the stuff that you're going to hear about, you know, being a black quarterback, this, that, and the other. And uh, you just worry about uh, taking care of what I tell you to do and uh, do it the way I tell you to do it and everything will be okay. Yeah. And the other part about that was if you do it differently, then you're going to have to answer to me, right? (laughs) (laughs) 
I miss Bo. I really do miss oh, him. Oh, amen. So, I miss him every day. Yeah. So. All right, Dennis, real quickly, we're going to close this out, but I want to play two deep trivia with you. Now, I'm not going to put you on the spot here, but I do this on my podcast. I go back in the years because I broadcast Michigan football for I know you. 30, been doing it for how long? 40 years now. And Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, start, I started back in 79 when Wangs was the quarterback. And wow. I, I did it. Yeah, I did it for a cable outfit. And so I've got all these two deeps, and I, I'm kind of going back and bringing up names from the past. So I'm going to the Michigan's. 2006 defense, and there are probably there are a couple of guys you might remember up front four: Tim Jamison, Terrence Taylor, Allen Branch, who went on to play in the NFL for New England, still think he's playing, and Lamar Woodley. Remember Woodley? Yes. Big time defensive yes. end out of Saginaw. Yep, I do remember. Yeah, went on to play in uh, Pittsburgh, and the at, at linebackers: Sean Crable, Chris Graham, and David Harris. That was the defense that took on Michigan State in 2006. And our corners, and he's still playing today. Oh, golly, I forget. I think he's playing at Kansas City. I'm not sure. Leon Hall, uh, who's darn good corner. The other corner was Charles Stewart, and our safeties were Jamar Adams and Brandon Engelman. That was the 2006 Michigan defense that took on the Michigan State offense. What do you think? <laughs> What what do I think in terms of? Well, I'm not sure. I, I guess how many of those guys do you remember? Do you remember Woodley? I guess, and uh, I, de- I definitely remember Woodley and uh, Hall. Well, you know, it's, it's it's so much easier to remember the guys who have prolonged careers and go on to the NFL, and because you hear their names a lot more than you do the other guys, and um, because you know I'm not there to, like you are to be uh, to be able to see a lot of the players. Uh, from game to game, from year to year, to season to season, it's difficult. Besides, you know, when you get older, you forget a lot of stuff. So yeah, you do. I, <laughs> what are you? What are you? What are you saying? We're both losing it, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just speaking for myself. Man. Oh no, you're the best, Dennis. I want to thank you so much for joining us and playing our trivia too deep this week for the 2006 Michigan defense. You take care, and when you get back here, make sure I know so that somehow okay. we can hook up. Okay. All right, pal. That's Thanks. great. Thanks, Jim. That always is a pleasure. You bet. That's always my pleasure, really, Dennis. That's outstanding. That is uh, former Michigan quarterback Denny Franklin played uh, in 1972, 3-4, went 3-0 against Michigan State. Hey, real quickly, I just wanted to comment on Michigan's victory over Wisconsin this past week. 38-13 the win. Big, big, big win, okay? And I know you guys want to know because it's kind of current and it's on everybody's mind and I just want you all to know that Michigan did a great job defensively stopping Jonathan Taylor in the second half. But more importantly, they made subtle adjustments. In the second half, the running backs cut the ball back against the grain and started to get some yardage there that they weren't getting in the first half. And that led, I think, to Michigan controlling the ball and keeping the best rusher in the country, Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin, off the field. The other thing is they forced Wisconsin to play a game they're not comfortable with on defense. Michigan's defense forced them to put the ball in Hornybrook's hands, the quarterback, throw it around the yard, which they don't like to do. And that took them out of their comfort zone and basically gave Michigan a great victory. It was a great win for the players. They did an outstanding job, and I thought the coaches really did a good job against Wisconsin on figuring it out. Now, here's the problem. If all of you think that was a great win and all that stuff, A, if Michigan gets to the Big Ten championship game, they may have to see Wisconsin 
again. And the reason I say that is because in the West Division, Northwestern, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Purdue are all right now with one loss. Now, Wisconsin has lost, or excuse me, Wisconsin beat Iowa. So they've got a leg up against Iowa. But those four teams are all going to be battling each other to get to the Western Championship. And let me tell you, it's going to be tough, but Wisconsin very well could be in Indianapolis on the final Saturday of the season in a Big Ten championship game. So Michigan could have to beat them again. Going forward, looking at the schedule for the West and, and big games that I see coming up that will really impact who shows up in Indianapolis, October 20th, this coming Saturday, Maryland plays at Iowa. Now, Maryland's a good team. They could knock off Iowa. Uh, on October 27th, Wisconsin is at Northwestern, and Iowa is at Penn State. That could impact that you know, one-loss record, so Wisconsin may get you know, a, a little help from uh, Penn State. Iowa's got to almost win out. The other game is November 3rd. Iowa is at Purdue. Then November 10th, Northwestern goes to Iowa, and Wisconsin is at Penn State. So that's a huge weekend in the— uh, Big Ten West. Then the 17th, Northwestern goes to Minnesota. Wisconsin is at Purdue. And on the final weekend of the season, it looks like everybody's going to kind of hold serve that weekend. But those big games coming up in the next five, six weeks in the Big Ten West, they're going to determine what happens in uh, Indianapolis for the Big Ten championship game. So just because Michigan got a great win over Wisconsin this past week and did a great job from a coaching perspective and the players being ready and executing all that, that may not be the last time Michigan sees Wisconsin, and it's always tough. If Michigan goes on to win the Big Ten East, and there's a lot to be done before that, including this Michigan-Michigan State week. And, of course, Michigan has to go on the road and play Ohio State. So don't count our hit chickens before they hatch, if you will. But still, uh, it's tough to beat a team twice in one season. And ultimately, if it all happens the way it could happen, Michigan and Wisconsin could very well meet again. Don't go away. When we come back, we will talk a little Michigan State with our special guest, Lorenzo White. This is The Brandy Show. The Brandy Show is a Zing Media Group production. Zing Media Group, tell your story. Welcome back to The Brandy Show. Good to have you along. Michigan, Michigan State Week. Uh, this is fun, man. We're getting a chance to talk Spartans and Wolverines. A little earlier in the show, you heard the play-by-play version of one of the most controversial plays in the series back to 1990 when Desmond Howard got tackled in the end zone and it wasn't called well. Maybe the most controversial play of all in this series over the last two decades was Spartan Bob. How many out there remember Spartan Bob? It was at the end of the game in 2001, and Jeff Smoker was the quarterback, and he spiked the ball with one second left, and yet there wasn't going to be one second left. It was the clock stopping, and Spartan Bob was the guy operating the game clock, and it gave Michigan State one more snap, and ultimately... That cost Michigan the game. It was unbelievable. It was a story that ultimately changed the way the Big Ten operates. Now the Big Ten puts an impartial guy in the press box to operate the game clock because of what happened in this game in 2001. Let's go back to yesteryear.
2001. Frank Beckman is on the play-by-play call. I'm with him. The controversial ending to the 2001 Michigan-Michigan State battle. And Smoker's going to roll to his right. He can run. Foots after him. He missed him. Smoker down to the one. He's to the one. The clock is running. Seven seconds. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Smoker spikes the ball, and the clock had stopped. The clock had stopped at one. They stopped the clock, Jim. They stopped the clock when they shouldn't have. Is this, is this home cooking or what? Here comes that's the, unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, that's criminal. <laughs> watch out, Haygood. Watch out. Okay, they're over there. Okay, in the shotgun, Smoker from the two. He's going to score. Oh, he's been looking Larry, Larry Stevens. Stevens being held. The pass into the end zone. Caught for a touchdown by Duckett. Unbelievable. Thievery. So Spartan Bob, as you heard Frank Beckman talk about in that highlight, uh, thievery. Thievery in East Lansing. And let's talk about a guy who didn't have to result to thievery in any way whatsoever when he played for the Spartans. Lorenzo White, one of the great running backs in Spartan history. Lorenzo, first of all, thank you so much for joining us on the Brandy Show today. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me, Hey, listen, I've got numbers. I'm going over your numbers, and I knew you were great. But, you know, when I went back, at 85, you rushed for 2,066 yards. And in 87, you rushed for 1,572. And you carried the ball about 9,000 times. How did you, you, what a career you had at Michigan State. Thank you. Thank you. Do you remember those days? Did you ever get tired? George just kept feeding you the football. George Perlis, your head coach, right? Well, yeah, my my whole thing was I was a running back, and the, uh, the more you give it to me, I I, I don't care. Um, that was our job to run the football. And you look at look at what's going on now. They don't even have that in football. That would be unheard of. That would be like a dinosaur if you get the ball that much. Exactly. I was getting. They now they tell everybody. And you were a first round draft choice of the Houston Oilers, and now. It's like in the NFL, you got to have two or three running backs, and they split time. You didn't have that. You were the horse, weren't you? Oh yes. Um, the one of the one of the things that I guess that um, I did when I was in college, I guess I ran it enough. So when I went to Houston Oilers, I went to a run and shoot team. So we didn't run it as much as I did in college. Okay, let's get to Michigan, Michigan State. Uh, I talk to people all over the country, and I'm a Michigan guy, and Denny Franklin, who we just had on, is a Michigan guy. You're a Michigan guy, Michigan State guy. And everybody asks you when you've graduated and you're out, what was your record against Michigan? Or what was your record against Michigan State? I was 2-1, and one, Denny was 3-0. and oh. You were 2-2 two and two against the, the Wolverines, two weren't you? Yeah, 2-2, yeah, 2-2, two and two. yeah. Two and two. yeah. Talk to me from uh, the Michigan State perspective – what that week was leading up to that game for you, man? That's um, that's everything. That's you know when you first enter um, entered into Michigan. I entered into Michigan State. That was the first thing you know a, that the rivalry between Michigan and not not just so much as that. It's just that what made it even worse is that. I had a, rela- a relationship with Bo. <laughs> did you really? Did Bo try to recruit you? <laughs> oh, man, it came down to Michigan and Michigan State. <laughs> oh, and you turned the old man down, did you? How could you? How yeah. could you? Oh, it's uh, fair. Um, that 
hardest decision I think I had to have uh, at that age in my life, you know, uh, trying to turn Beauchambeau down. I imagine it was. Here's a real neat question, I think. Who would you have been in the backfield with during your years that played for Michigan when you were at Michigan State? Do you remember? Um, at Michigan? Yeah. Who was the running backs over there? Jamie Morris. Was it Jamie? Yes. Oh, my boy. <laughs> so, so you and Jamie could have been in the same backfield, huh? Yes. Oh, God. We talk, we, hey, we talk about that all the time. Do you really? <laughs> that, here's, yes. the, here's the problem, though. Back then, you guys probably would have had to split carries. And both of yes, you wanted yes, the football. Yes. Both of you wanted the football all the time. Oh, yes. Uh, he got it a bunch, too. <laughs> yes, he did. From your perspective, what games do you remember from your four years with Michigan and Michigan State? Um, I remember – actually, I remember them all. Um, I remember um, the first year and um, Bobby Morris running the kickoff back, you know. That and, was in Ann Arbor, wasn't it? Yeah, in Ann Arbor, yeah. Was it special beating Michigan in Ann Arbor? Was that a little bit more fun, Little got you a little bit um, more going? I mean, it was like it was hard. It, I mean, you know, when you go there, you know it's going to be your back, uh, your back against the wall, and you know uh, you're 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 at your rivalry, and man, and that's what it was. I mean, tooth and nail fight all the way to the fourth quarter. And 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 do you remember who their defensive guys were? Because you were an offensive player, and I'm sure that and you carried the ball an awful lot. Who were their guys that? You ran into a lot that you kept getting up and looking at him going, I'm see you all day long, man. I just remember numbers 56. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when uh, when I played there, um, I didn't play that much against uh, in the first game. And uh, my sophomore year when I was at the Nation in Russia, um, we played against Iowa. And I, um, man, having a great game against Iowa, and I remember getting my ankle rolled up, and like the only thing that was on my mind was, no, we got Michigan next week. Oh my God, my ankle, my ankle. <laughs> so um, my sophomore year, uh, I played wasn't one hundred percent, and um, then my. Um, the year, my junior year, is when I had my knee, so I didn't get a chance to play against you guys when I um, did my knee, and then I came back my um, my senior year. And your senior year, you won the game 17-11, didn't you? Yes, 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 yes. Does it um, – go ahead and talk about that one if you can. You remember that one? <laughs> oh, my God. That was a – that was a – Defense. That was a defensive um, game. I think I probably had like maybe one eighty five. But man, wait a minute, wait a minute, time out. You had one eighty five, and it was a but defensive it was a, game. It, it was a defense. It was a defensive, uh, defensive game because you had to think that uh, Demetri Brown threw seven interceptions. Oh, that's right, seven. six. I think he <laughs> threw six. Miller intercepted six, six, like three yeah, of them, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. What well, do you so, know? Here's the deal. Think think about this, Lorenzo. Today, if a team gets 185 total rushing for the team, that's a big day. You had it all by yourself. Imagine how the game's changed. Yeah, and, and, and like I said, but I, you know, 
that was the defense. That, I mean, they kept getting turnovers and kept, you know, kept getting the ball. So um, that was a, 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 a pretty good game. It was a very good game. Last question, then I'll let you go. I'm actually play a little too deep trivia with you, but last question. You know, Michigan and Ohio State have this big thing going on, and I get the question being a Michigan guy a lot that, well, the Michigan Ohio State game rivalry is bigger than the Michigan Michigan State game rivalry, and I've always said no, 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 no. From within the state, uh, that game is as big as it gets. The Michigan Ohio State rivalry takes on a little bit bigger tone because of its timing. It's at the end of the wow. year. And and well, the Big Ten championship and the Rose Bowl and all that stuff may be at stake back then, so it gets more national attention. But from a pure rivalry standpoint, nobody takes a backseat to Michigan, Michigan State. What was your opinion of that whole talk of Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan, Michigan State? I think, you know, when you think about the Michigan and Ohio State game, you think about the two coaches um, that was um, that was there, you know, I think um, the hype came um, back in the days when you, you know, you got the um, Woody Hayes and you got um, you got Bo Schembecker a transition of the Woody Hayes, and then you know that you know that made the that made the rivalry you know that much um, greater, you know. And but when you look at it now, and I guess they just keep it going, but the in-state rivalry, oh my God, you you can't beat it, you no. know. You got two. You got you got state literally divided. Yes, you do. It is that way, and I hear you laughing because that's a, and and it's great, isn't it? Everybody loves it, right? And you either you either a Spartan or you're Wolverine. That's <laughs> that's it. Hey, last question uh, because we do this kind of fun, and it's like a where are they now? What are you up to these days? I know you're in Florida, Lorenzo. Yeah, um, I had a I have a little remodeling company. Um, now, and, um, that's pretty much what I, what I've been doing. And, um, I used to, um, travel around, um, you know, training, um, high school athletes get, to get ready for college, uh-huh. you know, um, and doing camps and football camps and stuff. So I don't do that anymore. So right now, um, just doing the, the retired thing. Well, good for you. Hey, listen, do you get back to East Lansing much and see the Spartans? Yes, I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> well, that's going to be fun. I hope we run into each other. Thank you so much oh. for being on the Brandy Show, Lorenzo, and wish you Thank great you. success and continued good health, okay? Thank you, Jim. Okay. You bet. That's Lorenzo White, really a, a, one of the Michigan State's <laughs> finest football players, uh, Running back that just when he was playing, if you didn't stop him, you didn't beat Michigan State. Uh, real quickly, I'm going to go through a trivia too deep for Michigan State fans out there that are listening in. You just heard from one of your great running backs. Now let's look at the 2006 Michigan State offense. You know the quarterback of that team? You should know him. Drew Stanton. Now, Drew Stanton is still in the National Football League. Uh, what a great quarterback he was. He was backed up by Brian Hoyer, who is also in the National Football League. You think about Michigan State's quarterbacks and how well they've been over the past two dozen years. It's amazing. The running back on that team was J. Hugh Culkrick. Six foot, 260. That was a running back. A.J. Jimerson backed him up. Wide receivers, Kerry Reed, Devin Thomas, and Matt Trannon. Matt Trannon was 6'6", 235, and he played wide receiver. Now that is big. Uh, tight end, Kellen Davis, Dwayne Holmes, 
and Kyle Sackreiter were also on that team. And across the front line, the tribute too deep for Michigan State, 2006, the O-line, right tackle Jesse Miller, right guard Roland Martin. Um, Kyle Cook was the center. Pete Clifford was the left guard, and Mike Getvi was the left tackle. Um, kicker that year, Todd Bolesky and Brandon Fields. So that's your trivia too deep, the offense for Michigan State's 2006 Spartans. Hope you had your thinking caps on, and you were able to uh, get some of those names on the 2006 Spartan team. Uh, Drew Stanton, the big name that stands out there, and his backup, believe it or not, Brian Hoyer, another NFL quarterback playing in the league to this day. Let's turn to our facts, legends, and lore today. This will close out the show. I want you all to know that there was a house at one point on the grounds of Michigan Stadium. I think I told you a couple of weeks ago in one of our episodes, we were out to dinner before a game once. Dan Deardorff and I who broadcast the games, and Dan's wife, Debbie, asked us, said, there was a house on Michigan Stadium grounds? And Dan and I both looked at her and said, yeah. Uh, when we came to school back in the late 60s, early 70s, there was a house there. She said, hey, I've never seen that. I couldn't believe it. Well, we went on Google and actually got a picture of it, an old historical picture that showed the picture. Now, the question is, what was that house doing there and where did it come from? Well, back in the day when Fielding HGO started Michigan Stadium in the 20s, the stadium was built at the site of what's called the Miller Family Farm. It featured a barn, a strawberry patch, and an underground spring. It's located across the railroad tracks from the Wolverines' previous stadium, Ferry Field. In 1925, the university purchased that land, a tract of 16 acres and 119 city lots, for $239,000. Now, on that tract of land at the Miller Farm, there were four houses, okay? And those four houses, to make room for the stadium— had to be moved. Now, those houses that were moved were, I'm going to get this. The, oh, there's a two-story frame house called the Malloy House, and it was moved at one point. So that's one of the four. And there were two other houses that were moved from that site to make room for the stadium. One was called, and I kid you not, this comes from the Bentley Historical Museum. One was called the Old Nagel House. And the other one was called the New Nagel House. But both of them were moved. That left one house there. It was called the Miller House, the Miller Family Farm. And the house is on Michigan Stadium grounds. And it stayed there until the late 80s, early 90s. We're not exactly sure when the stadium may have been expanded so that that house was then taken down. But there was a house there. And when the Michigan Stadium went to their uh, went to their uh, they, at either at either corner now they have what's called a uh, not a lobby but it's one of those things where they have a, a, a an area of bricks where you could buy bricks and and they they kind of updated those corners and when they did that in the late nineties that house was finally um, the, the built or rather uh, torn down now here's the story on it the house was built around 1925, and it was the second home on that Miller property, the Miller farm. The original Miller home was listed in the books in Ann Arbor at 1231 South Main. But the address changed, and it was called 1319 South Main. And it was occupied back in 1988. 
I mean, it was still there in 1988, and it was occupied. Uh, after the stadium was built, it was occupied briefly by William Malloy, the son-in-law of John Miller. It was then home to Carl and Emily Mulkey from 1829 to 1952. Now, Mulkey was described variously as a stadium caretaker or laundryman <laughs> for the Athletic Association. After Mulkey's death, equipment manager Henry Hatch lived in the house from 1953 to 64, right there on the stadium grounds. And then equipment manager Ron Pulliam lived in the house from 64 to 74. Now, Ron Pulliam actually was there, and I knew Ron because that was when I was a freshman. He was the equipment manager. Now, Ron died unexpectedly at age 38. From 76 to 88, 1319 South Main Street on the property lists in the Ann Arbor official plats was recorded as a rental property. And 1988 was the last year it was listed as a residence in city directories. But that home was right there on Michigan Stadium grounds. It's part of the Miller Farm. Now, it's also where the caretakers stayed. Now, John Miller, whose father had built the house back in 25, grew up on that farm. And in that house, after the stadium was built back in the day for Fielding H. Yost, and John Miller's son became the stadium caretaker. He also worked as a ticket attendant at gate number six, and he manned that post for 50 years. So there's your facts, legends, and lore about the house that stood at Michigan Stadium from the 1920s until the late 1980s, maybe even in the 1990s. So that's our facts, legends, and lore. Oh, by the way, go on to our Facebook page, Jim Brandstatter. I'm going to have a picture of the stadium, and I'm going to show you the house. Uh, we can't do that right here, but we're going to do it on our Facebook page, Jim Brandstatter. We'll put up a picture there, and we'll show you the house when it was there inside the fence at Michigan Stadium. That's our facts, legends, and lore. Glad you could be with us today. Michigan, Michigan State Show. Great fun. We appreciate it. Uh, don't forget to tune in Saturday for the Michigan game against Michigan State. Noon kickoff from East Lansing. Hey, if you come across our Facebook page, Jim Brandstetter, we would love it if you liked it. Okay? Follow us on Twitter at Jim Brandstetter. Make sure to tune in to Inside Michigan Football Sunday mornings at 1030 on Channel 7 in Detroit. We also air at various times during the week on Fox Sports Detroit. Special thanks to Podcast Detroit for the technical help each week. Thanks to Zing Media Group's Kathleen Stevens, our producer who puts together this entire program. Without her, I don't know what we do. And this week, I want to thank Art Volo. Art Volo is the unofficial archivist, if you will, for Michigan football and those clips that we had of the two great Michigan-Michigan State controversial endings, that came from the vaults of Art Volo. Art's one of the best in the world, and Art's our archivist, too, and we want to thank him. Keep us on your radar each and every week, everybody. This has been The Brandy Show.